Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. So we're going to look at the book of Revelation today. I am so excited that I know the Lord. I am so excited to know that nothing is taking him by surprise. He's not caught off guard. That the safest place to be right now is in the center of God's will for your life. And I just want to ask you that rhetorical question. Do you know that you are in the center of God's will? Do you know without a doubt that you are um, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, shed on the cross? Do you know that you're covered with that protection? It's so important today. We've been looking in the book of Revelation, and it's we see the number seven, 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 seven everywhere we go. We find the number seven. We've already looked at there were seven seals on a scroll that were broken. We heard that there were seven trumpets being blasted. Then we looked at seven key persons that, are, are, that, that come together in the last days. And then we find out that there are seven bowls that we're going to be looking at there today. There are seven bowls that are going to be poured out upon the earth from heaven's side. I'm going to be very careful as I move forward today. It's a picture and a glimpse of God that a lot of us maybe aren't familiar with or maybe not comfortable with. But the truth is this, is that we look at this scripture, it helps us to realize God loves mankind. He loves this earth and the world so much. It will not go on as it has gone on. The day is coming when God is going to wrap everything up. And that's what we're looking at in the book of Revelation. You don't need to fear this. As a matter of fact, when we see that there are judgments that are being poured out upon the earth, we have to understand that it's to a world that God is doing everything possible to reveal to them who he is. We're going to be looking at the Jewish prophets as we go through this. I want to remind you as well as we look at the book of Revelation that John is Jewish as well. This is a very Jewish book. It's talking about God completing his covenant and agreement that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is a time of trouble coming. The Old Testament prophets prophesied it. The New Testament does as well. Jesus spoke of it as well. Jesus and Jesus, who is equal with the Father, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. There aren't three gods. There's a three in one. You're a three in one. Your body, soul, and spirit. God reflects those three aspects that we, re- that we reflect, body, soul, and spirit. Jesus of Christ being the one, the body, the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. But this is a story of God's faithfulness. It's a faithfulness to you. I want you to know today, God will be faithful to you. If you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you thought, well, I did that for my own personal improvement. No, you've changed kingdoms. You are placed on the side of victory. You now abide under a seal of the protection of the Holy Spirit of God. When you give your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. When God looks on the earth and sees the darkness, he sees the candle of the light of the Spirit of God inside of you. So you might feel as though you need to do more to catch the attention of God, but you've got his full attention. The thing about the kingdom of God is this. It's not what you are. It's who you love. It's who you know. And God has made it so that you can know the Son of God, that you can come to the cross and receive Jesus as your Savior. We see the number 777 over and over again, but we did see 666 last week. And what was that? That was the mark of the Antichrist, that we realize that even today, where is the world going? Technologically, they can control all buying, selling, trading, and um, 
even social interaction, whether you have a voice or not, whether you can go into certain buildings or not. We looked at it during the week in my daily videos about the technology that's out there, that unless you receive this mark, and what could that be? Related to a chip in the hand or whatever it might be. But we do realize that now, as the world gets more cashless, in, in our interactions, that, this, that the Antichrist, empowered by Satan himself, is going to use that kind of technology and ability, which is global, which can be activated on every level of society right now. But there, I, I want people right now are saying, well, if you do this right now, you're receiving the mark of the beast, or if you do that, and you can imagine what it is. But I want you to know that when people receive this, they're going to know that it's an expression of worship to the Antichrist. They're going to know that they know that they know that, and that it's going to be connected to him. Why is the number 666? Because it is the mark of man. That's what the Bible tells us. God's number is seven. Man was created on the sixth day. The seventh day is the Lord's day. The seventh is the number of God. So God right here, right now, is letting us know there's coming a day when everything is going to be wrapped up, everything he intended. Seven, the seventh day of the week, actually means it's the wrapping up and the finishing. It's completion. So as we're looking at this chapter of this book of Revelation, it's God's completing what he made mankind for originally. The, you could, if you would, though, the day of man, the day of humanity, will come right before the end of the day of God, where God is setting up his kingdom. The number will be 666. When I learned the book of Revelation as a child, there was no way that we could see exactly how the stage was going to be set for these unfolding events. But now there is no doubt. I am convinced in my heart that we could see the coming of Jesus Christ, and it could be very soon. There is nothing in the Bible yet to be fulfilled, nothing incomplete that would hinder him from coming before this service wraps up. So I am looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the hope of every believer. So as we saw seven seals, seven trumpets, seven key persons, now we're going to look at seven bowls of the wrath of God. Now, can I just remind everybody of something here? The bowls in heaven are that these are going to be poured out upon the earth. We also get a glimpse that the bowls are the prayers of the saints. Now, that might seem really strange to you. But as these bowls are emptied out of the wrath of God, I want to, you to remember that every time you pray, you're filling bowls in heaven. The, the prayer of every believer has never been forgotten. The, Jesus talked about the prayer of agreement. When people come together and they pray, they add to these bowls, and when the bowls are ready, the bowls are poured out upon the earth. So that's why the Lord even tells you, pray the prayer of agreement. If two of you agree on earth touching any matter, it shall be done for them by the Father. There is power of partnering together to fill bowls. I'm afraid even as a church, we have not tapped into the fullness of the potential in our prayer meetings of understanding that we can fill bowls. And when they're filled, they get poured out. You say, but wait a minute, these bowls are bowls of judgment. Why would God, why would the prayers of the saints be prayers of judgment? Because Jesus says, don't curse people, but bless them. Bless your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. But I want you to also remember that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, part of it is kingdom of God 
come and will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that every time a believer prays that prayer, they fill up bowls that will be poured out at the end time. And yes, they will look like judgments, but it is God's means of wrapping everything up. He's going to end all of the rebellion of Satan, of the Antichrist, of the false prophet, the rebellion of the nations and the rebellion of mankind. So I, you know, I was raised in that evangelicals are like, well, no, 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 wait a minute. Don't, don't say the Lord's prayer word for word. It's not meant to be a ritual. You know, it should just be something that is like, a roadmap for prayer. And I agree with that 100%. But I also know this. Jesus said, pray like this. And you pray, kingdom of God come and will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of us need to get back to understanding the power of the Lord's prayer and the invitation of the kingdom of God and God wrapping everything up. The whole, Jesus will come in response to the prayers of the saints and the prayers of the church. So believer, you've been saved to be a prayer warrior. He's not impressed with fancy words, nothing like that. Just pray. Talk to the Lord. Well, we're going to go quickly through these seven bowls today. These are judgments that are going to be poured out upon the earth. They are coming. I, I want you to know this is the love of God. This is the love of God saying, we're done now. All right? So, Revelation chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Now, this is why I believe that the church is not here during this time. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is the rapture of the church. It looks nothing like the coming of Christ in the book of Revelations, where he comes on the white horse and the armies of heaven are following up behind him. There is a rapture of the church. It comes with the shout of an angel, with the trumpet of God, and, and the dead in Christ rise first. And it's completely a rapture, a catching up of those who died in Christ, and it's also a catching up of those of us who are alive. But this is bowls of the wrath of God being poured upon the, upon the earth. You would, I would say to all of you today, my sin has inv have invited the wrath of God because he's a holy God. But the wrath for my sins and for your sins were placed upon the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why the nature of his death was a nature that, uh, of a death that no man had ever suffered before. The Bible says, my sins drove the nails into the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, placed the crown on his head and the spear in his side. My, the wrath I deserved was placed upon the cross. But now we're looking at a world in which those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ have been caught up into the presence of the Lord. And now these are, this is, these are people who who want nothing to do with God. There are some that are coming to faith and believe, but this is a judgment being poured out upon the earth. And as we look at this passage right here, we understand it is important for anybody who reads this passage to receive the blessing of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, to receive the protection of this. These bowls of the wrath of God being poured out upon the earth. And then it says this first bowl is poured out. It looks like one of the, the plagues that came against the nation of, of, of Egypt when they came against God's people. This angel poured out the bowl on the earth, and it says, and a harmful and painful sore afflicted the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped the image. So what had happened is this expression of, of, 
of an anti-Christ spirit upon the earth caused that when this bowl is poured out, if anyone had received the 666 on their right hand or on their forehead, that they would break out in boils. In understanding of all of this, we come to realize that, that God doesn't just, when judgment comes, and this is why I believe you don't need to be afraid of the book of Revelation, the judgment of God is not where he just scatters it and takes out the innocent along with the guilty because he's so mad at the guilty. When God judges here in the book of Revelation, the judgment is very specific. And it's only to those who showed this false allegiance to the beast. Now you're just saying to me, I don't like the thoughts of that, but I want to remind you of this. John had received in the book of Revelation a vision that 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from the, the 12 tribes of Israel are going to be going around the earth and they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom there being is that Messiah will establish a kingdom. 144,000 are traveling around the world, making people aware of what the scriptures, both in the old covenant and in the new covenant, have revealed that God's going to establish a kingdom by Messiah. We also realize that God, that John saw in his vision an eagle that was going around and declaring the day and the moment in which the world was was suffering. That eagle could very well be the the, the vision of a, of an angel because we find out that in the scriptures. God's letting everybody. Know, listen, these days are coming. At the very same time, he sent forth two witnesses. Do you remember that? Two witnesses rose up and they declared the gospel of God. And the nations began to see them as troublesome. All the nations will hear the message of the two witnesses. And when they are killed, the whole world is going to witness it. God is doing everything within his. Um, within, well, all of his power, but he's, do, he's getting the message out and the world knows. The world will know what is written in the Bible and all the prophecies because it will be so crystal clear. But now we have gotten to the point where, you know, we've lived in a world where there's rebellion. Now we've gotten to the point where the lines are so specifically drawn that you are either sealed with the name of the Lord or you are sealed with the mark of the beast. And it's very clear. And that's why when you're just saying, I don't like this vision of God, it's because I think that the American church has has, has taught the message of God, which is a good message about the love of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness of God. But we have forgotten about the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, and the wrath of God that comes against all, all wickedness. So this bowl is poured out upon the earth, and then we see the results of this. Then we find out that there was a second bowl in Revelation 16.3. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. Now we have seen where the seas have, if you lived in Florida, you've got the red tide where the algae blooms and then the beaches are just lined with dead, dead marine life. It's, it's very real. It smells horrible. 
the water ends up getting corrupted. If you eat even of the marine life that died with that algae, you can get sick. And the Bible is talking about there's going to come an event in the future. Now, can I remind everybody that we saw this happen when the second trumpet was blown from heaven over the earth, that a third of the sea turned red like blood, and that a third of the marine life and a third of the navies of the nations of the world were actually destroyed. Now we're finding out that there is a, a water being turned into blood, and by this, it says the blood of a dead man. It's such a corrupted kind of turning of the waters. We have a picture of this, that it happened to the, the nation of Egypt when Egypt was resisting God. And that Egypt, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. As we're looking at this passage right here, these judgments are being poured out upon the earth. First there's boils, and where the skin is breaking out. Then it's a corruption of the water. And what happens? They continually to harden their heart against the Lord. You would say to me, but look, it's so clear in the Bible as these events unfold. Why can't they just easily make, um, make a conversion attempt towards God? Because I want to remind you that John had seen the Holy Spirit in heaven. Without the Spirit of God, Jesus said a man can't be born again. The Holy Spirit is like wind. When you hear the message that Jesus died for you, the wind of the Holy Spirit breathes upon your heart, your heart that is dead and cannot feel. The first thing that it feels when God is moving on your heart is the breath of the Holy Spirit. It awakens your heart so that you can hear the Word of God, you can confess Jesus with your mouth, and you will be saved. But now we're finding that upon the earth, the church has been taken away, the church carries the Holy Spirit, and now people are seeing scriptures unfold, and they know it's God who's bringing judgments upon mankind. They know it's a result of their false worship, and still they turn around, and they blaspheme the Lord, and they curse him, and we find out that blasphemy keeps happening over and over again. Then there's the third bowl, and this is where the, not just the salt water um, salt water places are turned to blood, but now it's the fresh water as well. Revelation chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you, the one who is and who was, O holy one, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, this is very interesting. Again, in the nation of Israel, when Moses confronted them, the fresh water, not just of the Nile River, but even in the pots inside their homes, that water turned to blood. It's kind of amazing. It's a corruption of the waters. You say to me, how can something like that happen? What I, need, I, what I think that we need to realize today is that since Satan took from Adam and Eve the title deed of the earth, he is doing everything to corrupt humanity, to kill humanity, and to also corrupt the creation of God. I think it's amazing right here that it talks about that there is an angel of the waters you and I will probably, well, I'm sure we will, some point in eternity, realize that we're looking at someone who is called the angel of the waters. 
He is the one that protects that complete corruption, the mercy and the grace of God. See, the Bible says this, is that evil cannot be unleashed upon the earth until that which restrains is taken out and then the evil can come. When you say kingdom of God come, will of God be done, you're releasing the power of the protection of God upon the earth. That's why Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. Salt preserves. You can pray. You don't pray to angels. Don't pray to angels online. Everyone's telling you, pray to your guardian angel. Do not pray to your guardian angel. They don't take instructions from you. You mess around with that, and you're going to tap into the wrong kind of spirit. The angels, the Bible teaches, are always beholding the face of God. They don't do your bidding. They do God's bidding. You pray to God. God releases the angels. That's how it works. The angels belong to the Lord, even if they're assigned to you. And so in all of that, when you pray, when, you're, when we regionally pray, when it gets really dr a drought time here, we ask the Lord and we say, God, we need water, we need snow, we need your blessing. It is a blessing. There are angels assigned to the waters. Now that's kind of amazing to me. They protect the waters as well in what's going on. The church, that see, this kind of judgment cannot be released upon the earth until the prayers of the saints that invite the act the angelic activity and protection of God in the lives of others and upon the earth, those prayers have to be taken out. When they're taken out, the bowls can be poured out, and the angel actually declares this, righteous are you, the one who is and who, who, is and who was, a holy one, because you judge these things, for they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. That's not the day in which we live. We would never pray, God, give our enemies blood to drink. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We pray for everybody on the earth. We believe that anybody can be saved. But now when the, the prayers of the saints are taken out, the angel of the water declares the people, the rebellion, these ones that took the mark and hate God, they will drink blood because they shed the blood of those who refuse to take the mark of the beast. This amazing picture. You, you know what? When we get to heaven and it says God wipes every tear from our eyes, why are we going to be crying in heaven? I think we're going to be crying because if we realize the power of God that could have been released through the prayers of his people, we would be astounded. See, we're in a spiritual battle in the, for the natural as well as a spiritual battle for those things that are spiritual. Righteous are you, the one who is and who was, O Holy One. And that, that line just really gets to me. They deserve it. They deserve it. I, you know what? If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here today. You're asking yourself, what's going on in the world today? God's going to separate the world, the light from the dark. And when mankind enters into that deliberate rebellion against them, a lot of people are rebellious against God right now, and they have no idea what they're doing or why they are. And I would just urge you today, man, if your heart is hardened towards God, man, I'd begin to pray. I'd cry out to the Lord right now, asking God to soften my heart. 
There are people all around you that believe. They're, they're right here in this room. You can believe. You know, faith is a muscle that God gave to every man, just like everybody gets a bicep in their right arm. You got one too. Some people exercise the muscle of faith. God said he's given to every man the measure of faith. Oh, I can't believe. You could if you wanted to. I want you to think about that for a moment. You could if you wanted to. You can read the word of God. It strengthens your faith. You can read the, the prophecies about the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. These things will increase your faith. Then we find out in the scriptures that a fourth bowl was poured out. And this was a bowl of great heat. Revelation 16, 8 and 9. And the fourth angel pours out his bowl upon the sun. And it was given power to scorch people with fire. And the people were scorched with fierce heat. And they blasphemed the name of God. Who has the power over these plagues? And they did not repent so as to give him glory. God has the power to make sure that this doesn't happen. God has the power over all things. But now mankind is in rebellion. It was prophesied, listen, 445 years, the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 1 and 2 said this, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be like chaff. And that day is coming, and it will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies, so that it will leave them neither root nor branches. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and frolic like calves from the stall. Isn't that amazing that Malachi talked about a scorching day where the physical sun will be scorching, but some will, st will step into the S-U-N of righteousness the Son of God. And the Lord says during that time when the scorching heat comes upon the earth, some will tap into the Son of Righteousness, the prophecy of the Messiah coming, and he will bring healing to them during that time. I want you to see that so that you know that John is not one a one-off prophecy. It's not just a Christian prophecy. This was always already backed up as well by what was going on in the Jewish nation and their prophecies. Then there was a fifth bowl, and that bowl was darkness. So imagine this. They go through the one bowl, which is the sun getting so intense in its heat. Now there's another bowl that's poured out, and it's called the darkness covers the earth. And we get the kind of the feeling here that this darkness is going to last a long time. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, verse 10, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongue because of pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you're really sick, it's a whole lot worse at night than it is during the day. And when this stuff is happening to them, a darkness covers the earth. And in that, in the darkness of not being able to find even the healing power of light, light really does help the body to heal. There'll be no darkness to alleviate. And in that darkness, the people are going to suffer even more. And what will be their response? They're going to curse God, and they're going to be, they're going to be blaspheming them, which takes us, you know, to them to the next level. So when we talk about this darkness coming, I want to remind you that the prophet Joel prophesied the very same thing 500 years before John received it by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. 
But let me remind everybody, John is Jewish as well. He is seeing what's going to happen as the nations will rise up against Israel. Joel said this 500 years before, Joel chapter 2, verse 1, blow a trumpet in Zion, one of the main mountains in Jerusalem, sound an alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, indeed it is near, a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and thick darkness as dawn is spread over the mountains. So there is a great and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it to the years of many generations. The Bible has been prophesying, and we should expect that someday the earth is going to be visited with this darkness. Jesus spoke of it, all right? Just to back it up. He said this, in those days... After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds from the end of the earth to the end of heaven. So the Bible is saying before the great harvest of the resurrection of all men, when Jesus Christ returns, there will be a darkness that's right before that. The result, though, will be blasphemy. Now let's look at the sixth bowl. This is not any kind of global trouble that comes, but a very real thing happens. The Euphrates River is dried up. Revelation 16, 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. Now, this is really fascinating here. The, the Euphrates River runs north to south on the east side of Israel, and that would be a, a, a means by which the armies of the earth coming from the east would be hindered of being able to bring all of their armies over to Israel. We saw that in the vision that there was uh, an army of 200 million people are going to be gathered together at the end of time. There is a great battle coming. God wants us to know so much about the battle, he actually describes its location. You all know what it is, right? It's the Battle of Armageddon. And as we're looking at this right now, we're realizing that John is saying when the sixth angel poured out his bowl, the Euphrates River, which would have hindered the progress of the military and the armies coming from the east, was completely dried up and they could come across like on dry land. Isaiah the prophet... 700 years before John, saw the same thing. He said, the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the Sea of Egypt, which is the Red Sea, that's what it was called, and he will wave his hand over the Euphrates River with his scorching wind, and he will strike it into seven streams and will make people walk over it in dry sandals. So this is another thing that God has been warning since the very beginning. It's a preparation for the Battle of Armageddon. If you have been with Pam and I, and you've gone up with us on the top of Mount Tabor, and you have stood there and looked at the great plain of the Valley of Armageddon, where actually Napoleon stood, and he said this would be the perfect place 
for a great battle. This, we're going to be looking at that battle in a couple, a couple weeks, but we realize that the bloodshed that's going to happen in that place will be when the nations of the world will try to rise up against the nation of Israel. They will tr- they, that even the Bible says that those who, who aligned with Jerusalem, and I hope and I pray that America will never turn its back on Israel because the Jewish people have received the promise of God for an inheritance for the land. The Lord said concerning them, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse the Jews. And so they, they come together in this folly, and they believe as though they're going to get rid of these, these people that have been troublesome to Israel. I, here's, here's what I want us to all understand. You know, I, and by the way, I was invited to share at the um, Holocaust Memorial um, remembrance event over there in basalt and it was so well received by the people and i bless the lord for that but we ask ourselves this question you know what why why does anti-semitism continually rise its head in the world it seems like a disease amongst humanity like there's just people want to target that group and do the worst things to it why do i believe that there is an uh, a movement even in America right now towards anti-Semitism, and some of it is people who are actually in power right now, which makes it more alarming. But I want you to know something when I speak of that. Um, This anti-Semitism spirit will increase in the last days before the coming of Christ. We also need to understand this. Why would he do that? When you look at persecution, the the largest group being persecuted in the world right now is, is our Christians what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in China right now. Untold number of our brothers and sisters just want to do what we're doing right now, and they're doing it at death and, and, and imprisonment. Why, why Christians, why Jews? It's because of this. God has made a promise. If the enemy of, of God, Satan, can get one promise of God towards one individual to fail, Satan wins. Do you remember when he tempted Jesus? He would just, he tried, like, well, why don't you just turn that stone into a piece of bread? That sounds so simple. And you just say, what was Satan trying to do? Was he trying to warm him up to see if he would do that? No, Satan knew this. If I can get Jesus to do one even, there's no scripture verse against turning a stone into bread, but if I can get him to do one thing at my bidding, I win the whole game. And the truth is this. If Satan could get one promise to the Jewish people to fail, even for one Jew, the promise of God to fail, he wins the whole thing. If he can get one promise for you to fail, he wins. Not just in your life. He wins the whole system. God can you say, well, you know, but I, 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 I really made the Lord mad. And, and now he's going to just come up to me and say, I'm going to be done with you. You're not my son anymore. Get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And then we would say to ourselves, well, I deserve that, man. It was a deliberate and rebellion against him. And in that moment, Satan would win everything. So I got to remind myself. I'm not worth him losing anything over. He's going to keep his promise to me because everything counts on it. 
If he lies in one instance or breaks covenant agreement, he is no longer God. And when it comes to what's going on with anti-Semitism and the rise that the Bible has predicted from the very beginning of armies coming against the nation of Israel, we, we realize this, is that Satan is just trying to say, if God will just make a stone into bread, or when I came to him and said, I'll give you the nations of this world if you'll fall down and worship me, um, he's never stopped doing it, and he's not going to quit until the very end. So we find out these prophecies are very real. Jesus said this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty, give you something to drink, a stranger, invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick? or in prison and come to you and the king will answer and say to them truly I say to you to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine you did it for me Jesus was just telling the whole crowd right there the gathering of the nations is going to come I'm going to gather all the nations where's the gathering of the nations when they will rise up in an attempt to destroy the nation of Israel. When they are gathered together, they are going to be defeated. But in that place, then God will judge the nations. And the judgment will be according to this. Because it will not be, it's kind of interesting here, it's not a be about whether they came to the cross and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. These people are living in a different window of time. This will be the measuring mark of whether they really believe in God. Jesus says, concerning how you treat my brothers and sisters will determine whether you are a righteous nation or not. When you think about that, who were the brothers and sisters of Jesus? They were his fellow Jews. All of his people around him, his brothers and sisters, were all Jewish. That's a very strongly worded prophecy about how God is going to separate the nations. That it, Listen, for me individually, I will stand in the righteousness of Christ. But when it comes to the nations, God will judge nations according to how they treated the Jewish people. So how did these people get into such a predicament? Well, we read about next in Revelation chapter 16 about three frogs that John saw in his vision. John, Revelation 16, 13 to 16. I saw come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the entire world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and people will not see his shame. And they gather them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har Megiddon. Har meaning mountain. Megiddo. Har Megiddo. Um, Valley of Armageddon. 
So as we think about that scripture verse right there, you just ask yourself, what provokes all the nations of the earth to do this? And here's the reminder that we're in a spiritual battle. It says there will be a, a demon release from the mouth of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And those demons will go out and convince the leaders of the world to gather together to attack Israel. Here is the point I want to make to bring this to a very practical point for all of us. The power of being manipulated by the demonic and the dark side if you're not marked and covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. When you think about these leaders of nations, they're probably the people that have risen to the highest level inside of every country. They would be people you would think would be full of wisdom and integrity and maybe a certain sense of decency and not to take advantage of a, a weaker nation. But we have to realize that even when people try to blame God for all the wars, but actually what we find out, there are actually powers of darkness that drive nations mad, that drive leaders to do the wrong thing. As we get closer to the time of the end, the Apostle Paul warned the, uh, um, the, the, his protege, Timothy, who was leading the church of Ephesus, and he said, the Holy Spirit has revealed something that in the latter times, that there will be troubling spirits. There'll be seducing spirit. There'll be enticing spirits. They will be things that get people to do something that they don't want to do. I want to say this to all of you as well. You know, I've sat through the season of preaching when, when um, the, the devil made me do it kind of was, you know, the phrase that was going through the culture and the people are like, the devil didn't make you do anything. You did it. The devil tempted you. But I want you to know the devil is very seductive. The devil is your enemy. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this with deliver me from the evil one. It, your translation might say the evil, deliver me from evil. Bible actually says the evil one. You have to understand the temptation to believe false doctrines, false creeds, false ideas, ideas, false philosophies, that in the last days there will be a spiritual activity that will teach false teaching to get people out from under the realization that in this day in which we live right now, you must walk in the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to measure everything you hear according to the word of God. You have to have the discerning of spirits. The, the, the increase of the demonic and of the darkness in the last days that, 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 that Jesus told the church you will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And here you, you and I are, are, to be, are to be praying in the blood of the lamb. We are to be standing in the blood of the lamb, the forgiveness of the blood of the lamb. You every day should be saying, I, I declare the blood of Jesus Christ over my household. I declare the blood of Jesus over my children. I declare the blood of Jesus over my church. I declare the blood of Jesus. I overcome by the blood of the lamb. Because in the last days, if you are not, if you are not walking in the power of the blood and in the power of your testimony, if you, and, and even in understanding the power of communion, when you receive that communion, you are declaring once again, I am covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. My testimony is that I believe in who he is. It's a protection against the increase in the last days, and I believe that a church is, the, the church of Christ is rising up. 
and being able to be equipped for these days. Then finally, there's a seventh bowl that's poured out upon the earth in Revelation 16, 17 to 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. You know, I'm just going to stop there for a moment. Do you know what? We live right now in the day of it is finished. But the book of Revelation is talking about the day of it is done. And it's a world of difference. It is finished. We are people of the declaration over us that it is finished. In other words, the punishment and the penalty for my sins when Jesus hung on the cross, when his, the, the point of his suffering reached the place of the justice and the righteous wrath of God was satisfied that Jesus said it was finished, and that means what it took for me to be saved and be confident that my sins can never be held against me, that Jesus finished that work. But the book of Revelation is the book of it is done. In other words, God's saying this, now I have poured out all my judgments upon the earth, and mankind's rebellion is being dealt with once and for all. You're saying to me, Jim, this, this God you're speaking about today is not a God I understand, because we preach now the, the it is finished God. The book of Revelation is God saying, it's done now. I'm wrapping everything up. Everything's going to be put down once and for all. He says it is done, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, a great earthquake such as there had not been since mankind came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered in the sight of God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath, and every island fled, and no mountain were found. And huge hailstones weighing about a talent, which is a hundred pounds, came down from heaven upon the people, and people blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because the hailstone plague was extremely severe. Do you know, oh man, it sounds so brutal, but can I remind everybody that the Lord said in the book of Leviticus that the judgment against blasphemy specifically was stoning. Here we find that as the world rejects the Lord and they decide we're going to blaspheme God, that these huge hailstones are falling out of heaven. It happens at, the, the, uh, at an earthquake. You just say to me, is John the only one who saw this earthquake? Well, no, he didn't. Zechariah saw the Messiah standing on the Mount of Olives, and he said the north side of the Mount of Olives was split with the south side of the Mount of Olives. That's Zechariah 14. I don't have time to read. But if you were to come to, with Pam and I to Israel, and you stood on, in Jerusalem, you can look over at the Mount of Olives. The Bible says Jesus will place his feet there. But during this great earthquake that's predicted by the prophet Zechariah and by John, that the Mount of Olives is going to completely split. Now, if you also were to go to Israel with me and stood on the Mount of Olives, you could look with us right down to the Sea of Galilee. So picture this. You, I'll do it um, west to east on your side. So you've got, um, you've got, is that your west? That's easy. Okay, good. You've got the city of Jerusalem. Earthquake's going to split it in two. Then you've got the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split. Jerusalem splits in three. Mount of Olives splits in two. And then you have the Dead Sea on the other side of that. When we look at the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel had a vision of a great earthquake, but he also saw that there was fresh water that was flowing out of the temple of God. It flowed through the gap now that had been broken open by this earthquake through the Mount of Olives. It descended down 
into the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea had been lifted up. The Bible says this earthquake is so devastating like the world has ever never known that the capitals of the earth are laid low. The very capitals of nations are brought down. It says you can't find the mountains where you, they used to be. You can't find the valleys where, where they were. And it says that the islands are no more. This is a horrendous kind of earthquake. But that what happens is, is that from the temple of the Lord, it's a picture of heaven. When John saw heaven, there's a clear stream that's flowing from the throne of God through the Mount of Olives. The trees begin to grow, and there's life that happens on both banks. It descends down into the Dead Sea, which right now, if you go swimming in there, it's, it's millennia of salts that have built up in there. You float, you can, you can stand upright in the water without your feet on the bottom. And as you're in that place, though, you realize that nothing there can live. But the Lord says that you, the people will be fishing at En Gedi. How many of you went to En Gedi with us, right? You've been to En Gedi. You can stand right there. It's just salt water there. And yet God's going to bring this refreshing so why do we have all of this? By the way, that was Ezekiel 47, and sorry I ran out of time. But the thing is this, is that I, like I said, did I say that at the end of last service or at the beginning of this one? Jesus Christ can come at any moment. Absolutely nothing's holding him back. This is a day for us to be prepared to be with the Lord. As I'm looking across the room, some of you have just recently given your heart to Jesus Christ. You entered into the waters of baptism, baptism. The, the, the declaration that the same process by which Jesus was baptized in water as he gave himself to the Lord, that the Spirit of God fell upon him. If you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, today is a day to walk in boldness and in confidence and in the joy of the Lord. You've got to keep the hope of Jesus Christ alive inside of you. You've got to live, you and I, every day in the expectation, Lord, I want to be found doing your work and not the devil's work if you split that sky open in the next few minutes. I want to be on the Lord's side today. Listen, don't, we're, we're walking today in the message of the love of God and the forgiveness of God, and that is our message. No matter what sin you've committed, no matter how grievous it might be, it might be the worst sin of humanity, and yet Christ came, and on the cross, when he bore the punishment, he said, it is finished. And you can be a person that now can come to the salvation of the Lord and receive the finished work of God inside of you. You won't be perfect, but you will be forgiven. And the virtue of your sustaining with God that he will keep you, you might say, I can never become a Christian because I know I would screw it up. No, you're not holding on to God. It's God that's holding on to you. You've given him the right to your life. The power of the blood of Christ will keep you. And the, the, the virtue that keeps you is not your own behavior you want to be more like Christ because you've been renewed. But the virtue that keeps you is the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. And no matter what troubles come to this earth, the Lord is on your side. The Lord your God is with you. So I want to encourage you today. What is the message that comes out today? Be on the Lord's side. Align your life with the one who died for you, loved you so much. There's nothing else he can do to prove his love for you, but he is faithful to you. Amen. Do you love the Lord today? Yeah. I do too, man. I do too. We're, we're, we've been called to live in some pretty exciting times right here, and God is faithful. Let's all stand up this morning.
I just, there's, there's different ways that people come to God. Some people come to him for the very good reason that they, they need help. They've tried it on their own and it's not working. And they know that the engine inside of them drives them in the wrong directions and they need God now to be their engine and they invite Jesus to come into their heart and he changes their he changes their perspective and then he walks with them as they face life struggles there are other people that come to the Lord because they feel some kind of shame or guilt and it's almost unbearable and they've they hurt over the people they've hurt and they've lost years or whatever and out of that guilt and shame they come to the Lord there are others that come to the Lord and it's because when they hear the message that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that he is the way they say I've been a pretty good living individual and you know I was I'm doing my best and compared to others you know I'm all right then they hear the message that Jesus came to die for everybody and that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And they hear the message that this world is going in a certain direction and there's, there's no stopping it. The rebellion has happened and it's going to have to be wrapped up. And you hear the words that you need to be on the Lord's side. You need to be ready for the day of the Lord. They come to him equipped with knowledge and very intelligently say the scriptures, the prophecies for hundreds of years describe the day and it also describes a solution and I'm going to come to the Lord today to settle the issue right once and for all. Am I ready to enter into Christ's kingdom? Jesus said some will be on the left and some will be on the right and some he'll say come into the presence of the And some he'll say, I never knew you, depart from me. Are you ready to get right with the Lord today? For whatever reason it might be, just know this, that Jesus Christ loves you today and he died for your sins. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his life for all eternity. If you need Jesus Christ as your savior, I'm gonna ask you to respond in two ways. First off, I'm, I'm gonna ask you just to lift up your hand and say, Pastor Jim, I'm including myself in the closing prayer to give my heart to Jesus Christ. And then if you raise your hand, we're gonna repeat a prayer together. And then I'm gonna invite you to come forward in front of the church. Because if you confess him before men, he'll confess you before the Father who is in heaven. It'll change everything if you change your confession. If you want Jesus as your savior today, would you lift up your hand saying, I want today to be my day of salvation. I see your hand right there, God bless you. Is there anyone else you're just saying that today, today's my day. I want to get right with Jesus. I want to know that I know that I know right with him. The spirit of God is moving on your heart. It's like a tug. Is there anyone else? Just lift up your hand. Just saying today, today's my day. I got saved May 9th, 1965. I'm coming up on a spiritual birthday. This could be your spiritual birthday today. Anybody else? For this brother who raised his hand, and I know his wife just came to Christ on Easter Sunday. 
God is good, isn't he? Let's pray this prayer together. Say, God in heaven, you love me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. All of them. Lord Jesus, forgive me of everything. My past, my present, and my future. I get off the throne of my heart. And I declare today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. He lives in me. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm free. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. As you live in me, I will live for you. Thank you for promising me the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up here, brother. And Molly, come on up too, all right? Amen. Bless you, man. They started in our school, stood with us through thick and thin, and know that Jesus is calling their family into a life with him in the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you for my brother, and I thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill this man to overflowing. Thank you for redeeming this family and their children. Thank you for calling them into the kingdom. Thank you for for drawing them a long time ago. Thank you, Lord, for the work of grace. And Father, I I just pray right now that you would fill this man, Lord, with your power, your grace, your favor, your life. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch him, heal him, lift him up, strengthen him. I pray that his life would bring forth fruits of righteousness, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, Lord God. Help him, Lord God, to, to be a good husband and a good father. And just bless him, Lord. I thank you for him, Lord, and your power to draw him. We receive him as our brother in Jesus Christ into the family of God. You are now our brother. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Don't leave with before we get to talk, all right? Okay, good. Good. There's going to be our elders, and their elders are going to be here in the front. If you want prayer today for anything, God's a miracle working God. They want to pray the prayer of agreement for you. They want to help fill some bowl up in heaven that you need poured out on your life, right? But that's what they're here for. God bless you with the love of the Lord. God be your peace and the Lord be your strength. Pray the blessing over your, the roof over your head, your vehicles, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I just speak the blessing of the Lord over everything in your care, the animals, the plants everything that you tend to. I just pray that the blessing of the Lord would override any, any 
words that were spoken against you, any curse that anyone tried to bring against you, I just speak. I cancel that in the name of Jesus, and I speak the blessing of the Lord over you. Just go in the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming today, and have a wonderful week. All right? All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.